You're listening to Level Up with Melissa Zalouf from Iron Source. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Melissa Zalouf, and you're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. Today, I'm here with Anna Paparecco, who's game design consultant lead at Iron Source, and our basic, um, it says maestro, but I mean maestra of game design. Um, we are going to be talking about understanding user motivations, how that relates to uh, your ad strategy, and how different studios can use that knowledge to monetize better. Anna, thank you very much for being on the show today, especially since you've just finished a bout of Corona. Hi, um, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, um, it's it's a bit mind. I don't know. Wow, no, my brain is stuck. Oh my god, I have brain it, freeze. It happens so much. So, so sorry. Yeah, you're going to have to excuse us in in advance. Um, so, uh, Anna, you and I actually go back uh, quite as long as I've been in Iron Source, I think. Well, Iron Source, yeah, Unity now, but uh, we've both been here a while. Um, we first met back in the days of uh, Upopa when you were a game designer at Iron Source's in-house game uh, studio. Um, so it's good to be to be back together again. And actually, um, to a certain degree, that your role today is sort of like super connected to to your role back then. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Iron Source today? Yeah, like yeah, we do go back for seven, uh, seven, seven years. years yeah, seven plus. Yeah, we were living in this small, crampy, cramped little room in Lelemloom. Yeah, so uh, yeah, my 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 whole path in game development was about being a game designer, product owner, a, a product manager, as much as it can apply to gaming. And uh, when we met, I was a game design lead in Upopa, a internal mobile studio uh, in Iron Source, uh, which is Unity now. Uh, now, what I'm doing for the last few years in Iron Source, I'm taking all this baggage that I'm bringing for from um, uh, game development uh, and for mobile game development and all the users' motivations, player motivations, understanding the the behavior. And I'm doing the game design consultations to our clients uh, and helping them to helping them to understand um, how their players behave, what they're missing in their game, how they can leverage it from from the terms of uh, users' motivation and of course mm -hmm. and monetization because this is primarily mm -hmm. what we do here in this company. And um, I have like I have. Two advantages, I have the experience uh, and I have also a lot of data that I can handle here inside Iron Source and inside Unity, uh, benchmarks, uh, I don't know, uh, looking into different genres, into different games and understanding the reason behind the data, the reason of the player's behavior, uh, why they're behaving the way they're So behaving. that's a, a good segue to kind of talking or breaking down kind of like player motivations, um, which is a kind of a big, at the, the heart of what you do. Can you sort of like give us a breakdown of what those motivations are, um, What which of those are the most common, right, which are a little bit more unique? Yeah, so uh, 
there is different uh, frameworks for user motivations, actually. Uh, the classic ones probably are like self-determination theory or player's experience of need. Like the major and most well-known user motivation breakdowns, they are breaking down the user motivation into three to four different groups of users. Uh, killers, achievers, socializers, explorers, for example, like that. I like to use a more extended version of the uh, user motivation. Uh, it's the gamer motivation model that is uh, introduced by uh, mm-hmm. Quantic Foundry. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Quantic oh. Foundry. Quantic Foundry. I'm, I'm all the time confusing the name. Uh, they have 12, 12 uh, user motivation, players' motivation, uh, which is more granular uh, spread between the motivations there, they have like six major ones, action, social, mastery, achievement, emotions, and creativity. And uh, everyone is subdivided into two more. And it's uh, it helps more to understand the players uh, and where they are actually inside uh, your- So um, can you, when you're sort of like, how, how does the process start? Let's say you're gonna do a consultation for a given, um, customer they have a match three game do you go to the motor the motor the gamer motivation model and you say okay it's a match three game i know that players of match three games tend to fall into these kind of like buckets and now i'm going to just use that as the basis for my recommendations or are you looking at sort of like player behavior data from the specific game in order to understand or reveal what kind of like the the motivations might be so it can be either. If you are talking specifically for match three games, yeah, it's like very clear audience there and very clear motivation in most of the games. There were experiments there on the market that were not successful having like the match three uh, with the different user motivation. For example, a match three that is based on the heavy metal mm-hmm. uh, music or on... Um, uh, having fights uh, i'm not talking about puzzle quests i'm talking about uh like more, more mobile like casual mm-hmm. fighting games with the match three where you have like more of the motivation of uh, mm-hmm. domination but the match three is not about being domination it's about challenging mm-hmm. the puzzle so when they are not matching with the target audience the game is not succeeding the ma- the game is uh falling through the yes. floor through the grades. If we're talking about very defined uh, genre, very defined market, uh, we we have to acknowledge that there is very specific motivations and very specific audience that uh, we're aiming to. If we're, uh, if we're uh, analyzing something that is a bit off market, uh, of course, first uh, step will be, anyway, the first step will be like to get to know the game, to understand what might be the uh, internal motivation of the players. Uh, moreover, the more complicated game, the more it goes into mid-core, hardcore-ness, uh, the more motivations and more different groups of people, different uh, behaviors of people will be mm. in the same game. And then you need to tailor uh different parts of the game. Got it. And and before we sort of like uh, dive into 
how this applies to monetization, um, staying a little bit in game design, how does, I would assume that user motivations um, are the kind of like the starting point of game design, um, but maybe I'm wrong. Where, how does it, first of all, how many game developers today do you think are kind of like leveraging user motivation modeling in their game design? Um, and for those that do, where are they, where does it come in? So I hope that game developers are looking into that. There is no specific point where you're like, okay, on day three at 6, uh, 13 p.m., you need to start looking at the game's motivations, uh, players' motivations. But there, it's something that should accompany the game development process from the pre-production to the, to the final, like, A-B test releases and even post-release. Uh, when you're looking into game, when you're looking into, uh, okay, you have an idea or you have a gameplay or you have a story that is based, you need to uh, take into account, okay, how this story or this gameplay is matching the motivation of the target audience that I'm going through. Uh, again, going back, if I'm going to do the match three, uh, I will not aim at the uh, at the uh, achievers or uh, uh, those dominations and uh, uh, and I don't know social social maybe, but like the action one will mm -hmm. not be my target audience. But if I am going to do a a first person shooter. So probably creativity and like doing your own, like uh, design your own gun will also not be the right approach in this game. And this should be uh, uh, from the first idea, from the first uh, thinking iteration, pre-production, through the production uh, and to the, uh, to the release. And also it, like every time that we are thinking of something as game designers, uh, we're assuming mm -hmm. something is happening. Everything needs also a be tested on the real audience. Uh, this is why the soft launch are mm -hmm. out there. This is why you should soft launch just to confirm your theory that your target audience have indeed the same motivations and indeed following what you plan them. How often do you find that player motivations shift over the life of a game, right? So you you soft launch, you 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 produced, right? You had certain assumptions about player motivation. They this hypothesis was confirmed by your soft launch and by your global launch. But like one or two years in, something changes. Does that happen, uh, or not really? I wouldn't say that a specific person would change the motivation during mm -hmm. the gameplay. Uh, but it's rather different players will have different mm -hmm. motivations. I'm coming to person shooter and I want to have the biggest gun. I want to have the biggest, uh, the, the best outfit. I want to destroy everyone. I want to cause the most explosion and most mayhem out there. Great. I'm coming for this specific game. The other person might come to uh, not to have the big, the biggest gun, but to have all the guns. He will mm. be a collector, and then he will uh, open all the chests and watch all the rewarded videos and pay all the money to get all the uh, types of weapons mm -hmm. out there. It's different motivation. 
why he's coming to this game. So um, I think hopefully we've done a good job explaining how uh, player motivations interact with or intersect with game design. How does it apply uh, in the context of, of monetization? How do motivations affect the way users interact with ads? Great question. Uh, basically, ad monetization is part of the user behavior. Uh, there is like it's a part of how the user behaves. It's a part of what mm-hmm. user needs. If the user example is playing match three uh, and they want to complete the uh, the the what is what is the user motivation for match three and it's a puzzle game it's a challenge i want to complete it mm-hmm. by myself i want to prove that i'm smart i am independent strong holy woman uh totally and uh Yes, and uh, ad monetization, just like the regular monetization, is helping the player to fulfill this motivation. Okay, here is a small power up. Here is like one more try. Here is a bit, a bit of uh, moves because we know you can do that. You just lack this one, one, two, three moves to complete and to prove that you are indeed smart, uh, beautiful, amazing. Uh, so it's uh, not telling, it's not helping, it's not giving them a hint, right? It's giving them more chances to do that, to do it on their own. Yeah. Like if we're talking specifically about puzzle genres, puzzle motivations, people, their target audience there doesn't mm. want the solution. Uh, it's um, it gets me back to the uh, to the times when I was working on the PC games uh, uh, that were oriented like on the uh, uh, women of um, pension age or like uh, middle aged women. Uh, it was mm-hmm. hidden object games that uh, like it was story based hidden object game which were really straightforward. And it had like an unlimited amount of hints there to show you where to go, to which door to go uh, if you are stuck. And we were tracking uh, how many times the users, the players were uh, Mm -hmm. pressing on that hint. So the players would rather go to the forum and ask, give me a like, not a direct answer, but a hint Mm -hmm. where to go. Because when I'm the, the the hints inside of the game it's actually showing me what to do I want to I want to get a small hint mm-hmm. but not the answer it's the same continuation with the current um, uh, mobile puzzle games that the players don't want to have the answer they want to have like a bit of help otherwise they are not proving uh, themselves otherwise the game is solving there's uh, no challenge like it's out for them no challenge and this is the challenge mm-hmm. motivation uh what about do you have examples from from other genres or other sort of like subcategories of games if match three is about challenge and and solving what are some other examples let's see so say you have a collectible mm-hmm. card game and um, you're opening the packs and uh you're getting uh a new card uh, that you were uh, looking for uh, and it's complete like parts of your collection uh, and you have like we're talking about that monetization here and you have like for example a, a traffic driver that okay double your cards or double your uh, your win or whatever you got me as a collector i don't care about doubling the cards that mm-hmm. i see because i already got them 
want to improve them later and get more cards to merge and to, to upgrade. But what I care about is more of collecting more different mm-hmm. type of cards. So what more beneficial in this case is uh, having a traffic driver saying like, okay, open another small pack uh, or get another one mm-hmm. random card uh, that have in the collection this is addressing already the collector uh motivations inside of the this kind of games which is like a very popular Mm -hmm. um what sort of one of the most common pieces of advice you find yourself repeating to studios when it comes to how they monetize and also how they use um player motivation because i can imagine it might be quite easy to sort of either become a bit of a like to let player motivation take over your entire, right? Because it's sort of like infinitely interesting and, and, and I guess helpful or to be like, this is too complicated for me. I'm going to completely ignore it. So kind of like, how do you, um, what, how do people normally sort of like tackle this or what, how do you, what's your experience in, in kind of like a common approach to this within monetization? So like, like in every, in every, um, genre, in every part, in every feature, mm-hmm. don't go to extremes. Everything in moderation. Yes, everything in moderation. You shouldn't be forgetting and ignoring the uh, player's motivation. Like the the examples we had before, again, going to match three. uh, Remember that you have a target audience within which you uh, want to go. But on the other hand, don't be a slave to that. Don't be like, oh, okay, we are going to do all the match threes about sweets from now on and not giving, having a step on the side. There is uh, there is always a leeway, uh, a room for Abby test, uh, for uh, trying different things, because every game actually has the more uh, the more complicated game, the more it has uh, motivations. But every game has different types of people and different motivations. Usually it's like two, three Mm -hmm. uh, buckets of motivations. And then you can start thinking and combining, okay, how do I do action and creativity? How do I do uh, social and immersion? How do I do this and that? And also looking at your target audience when you're A-B testing and analyzing the, the responses, uh, the response, the segments, the, uh, the behavior of them is super important. Um, I think you've given us quite a few examples of kind of like what, um, definitely when it gets to match three, right? What What is a smart, what are some ways that you can kind of like take player motivation, apply to ad monetization? What are some examples that don't, work right not obviously naming any names but sort of like examples of um, monetization implementation that gets kind of like player motivation wrong or doesn't doesn't really sort of like play play to the play to the motivation uh for example uh we already talked about uh, i think this podcast is generally about match no what it's about all games <laughs> i don't know uh, we had like some bad examples of match three that are going in the wrong direction. Something that came up to my mind is um, a racing game that had some upgrades and then the uh, upgrades were taking time and uh, increasingly 
uh, increasing amount of money. Every upgrade had more and more and more uh, money that you could get. And the, uh, the ad monetization was focused on giving the player the currency that they could spend on the uh, upgrades, but the currency that the uh, player was getting wasn't increasing. So I was getting, for just an example, I was getting all the time mm-hmm. 50 coins. And the first upgrade was 10 coins, the second upgrade was 50 coins, and the third upgrade was 200 coins. And the fifth upgrade was already 2,000. Seeing that I have a, a traffic driver for 50 coins, I don't mm-hmm. care anymore. This is this is okay. I need I need to get my car faster, more stable on the road. I need to get those upgrades. This is my motivation of achiever. I I uh, I need to get the most powerful car, but the ad monetization is not helping me reaching that. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> abort. Um, so are, are there I mean you've talked a little bit also about currency and economy are, is there sort of like um, thinking about scale or frequency is there I, we all know that there's, there's such a thing as too many ads for users right no one wants to be in that position is there um, is the opposite also true right is there such a thing as kind of like too few um too few ads or too um, kind of like right balancing frequency or amount of of, uh, of ads and also like currency or value of each one. How what's the sweet spot? How do you find it? So first of all, we need to note in this case we are talking about the mm-hmm. rewarded ads, uh, not mm-hmm. the system initiated but user initiated. So uh, it's a good question. Of course, again, we are not going to extremes here. But what we noticed, like I recently was looking into uh, mid-core mm-hmm. uh, genres and seeing that specifically for mid-core genres, if the game has a lot mm-hmm. of placements, uh, the users are more engaging with them uh, because they are being more exposed mm-hmm. to these placements. Uh, so... It's a matter, of course, of A-B test, and it's a matter of comparing yourself uh, to the benchmarks, mm-hmm. industry benchmarks, how many placements you have, and also uh, addressing the player's needs. I cannot tell you, okay, for shooters you need three, and for puzzles no. you need 15 <laughs> placements. No, no right answer. Moreover, two exactly same games with different uh, art style, but with the core loops and meta games and everything and all the balance being the same might have different audience and different um, different mm-hmm. motivations based on the art choice and based on the uh, on how you treat the players and what you're giving in them in the uh, in the currency. And they might have different behavior in terms of monetization mm-hmm. as well. Um, that's actually really interesting. You would assume that player motivation would be set by a core game loop versus art style, right? You'd think of one as being more, or at least I would. Maybe that's maybe that's actually not that common, right? But I would have assumed that art style is kind of like, okay, it's not what am I, it's the world, but it's not what I'm doing in the world. And my motivation is surely 
kind of like driven by by what I what I want to do or what feeds me or but that's so it's so it's interesting that you say that. Um, last question. Um, I want to comment on that because it's a big, big uh, fight in the industry. What comes first and what the players are affected mm -hmm. more? Is it the, uh, mm -hmm. the visuals or the gameplay? Is visuals is the first see. thing that the players see and they are deciding if they want the, the game based on first on visuals. Uh, and uh, there is a fight between like artists mm -hmm. and game designers what comes first and, and what when, is more important. When do you decide? When do you come out? Of the I'm a game designer. I, I'm there. <laughs> Screw the art. Visuals are relevant. It feels like there's a um, movement, not, not just in the last year, but maybe in over a longer period of time, to look at ad monetization like ad design, right? Like how do you do this? How do you incorporate this into gameplay in a way that's native and integral to the player experience versus something that gets kind of like slapped on later? Um, and, and thinking about sort of like player motivation is a part of that, right? Because it's the same way as you would incorporate it into game design, you'd incorporate it into ad design. First of all, question one, am I right? And question number two is, do you think that's gonna, <laughs> do you think that's gonna continue or even grow this year? Uh First of all, yes, you're right. Let's start with that. Yes. Uh, second of all, uh, I think that the developers should be growing that. It's it's kind of... Uh, Admonetization is not something that you just slap on top, as you said, and uh, you just go with it. Admonetization is a part of the game. It's a feature of the game that... Uh, need to follow game uh, mm -hmm. game economy, which is super important. Players' motivation super important. It should not disrupt the balance. Mm -hmm. Super important. If you are at uh, the uh, the admonetization, you need to remember how the players are behaving. You need to adjust the currency that you are giving inside of the game according to what you started giving with admonetization. Uh, and you need to understand that it's going to be used in the game if you are doing it right. It's going to bring you money, but it's also going to influence the behavior mm -hmm. of the player. Will it grow? I hope it will grow. Uh, you need to A-B test a lot, and you need to uh, understand how to change that game uh, in order to adjust to mm -hmm. the monetization. Uh, and this is what <laughs> I need to help. Well, guys... You heard it here. Need help? Find Anna. Um, Anna, thank you very, very much. I think that you are just as sharp as normal, um, even even post-corona. Um, so thank you for being on the show. Uh, and thank you, as always, to everyone else for listening.